Welcome to Inbound and Down, where we cover tricks and hacks to make your marketing life more efficient from the top of the funnel to the bottom. I'm Ryan. And I'm Adam. Let's get started. All right, let's get right into it. Today we're talking about surviving in the workplace, which sounds so ominous. Um, I know. I, I want to not just be tough not to make this one negative, but let's let's. No, it's going to stay. It's going to stay positive. I, and the reason it's going to stay positive is we're, we're talking about all the awesome things to do, right? To survive in the workplace, not horror stories, which is how this came up. But before we find ourselves in that trap, we're just not even going to go there. Sure. Um, I mean, for you. Where does it start? What makes an, an awesome workplace experience? To me, it is all about, um, and I guess this is where you know the positive and negatives come in for me, is all about the people you're with. Because you could basically, as we're learning now, do what we do for any job out there. Like There's always marketing automation. They're always trying to do advertising. So that's me and you. Um, so if you don't... N- have good rapport with the people that you're working with, um, both above you and below you, it's just, it's just not going to work because we're sort of in that age where, you know, if, if we were to go back into the workforce, we'd probably be that middle management. So you have to manage up and you have to manage down. If you're not with people that you trust and that when you say something, they're like, okay, you know, you know, if, if, the, if it's just like constant sort of questioning, then, um, you know, I, to me, that's, that's not a great workplace, but the great workplace is, you know, like we've had in the past where we just, the team is great. Everyone sort of just trusts everyone to, to do the right thing. And that goes for your bosses too. You just, you, you know, it, when you trust them to make the decisions on your behalf, it, it's a great feeling. And then you can sort of say the same thing to your, um, to your equal teammates, but also your direct reports and, and they trust you. So that trust is really the, the, the key thing. I think it's helpful to, um, again, I mean, without diving into stories there, I've been in situations where I, I haven't trusted my boss and I, and I definitely have. And in either one, no matter how you swing it, uh, one of the things that I have learned was kind of knowing when to speak up. Mm. If things didn't align whatever it may be with either what your expect- expectation was, or you weren't confident it was the best way to go. No matter how, it, there's certainly a lot more friction if you don't trust your boss. Right. But uh, to be able to have that conversation with your superior to be like, can you explain why we're doing this? Mm. You know, I'm, I don't necessarily say that I'm questioning you, but I just want to make sure that I understand because it doesn't make a ton of sense to me right now. And that's a huge thing. That's sort of a next level move for like an entry level person to be able to, to just speak up and, and that's where that rapport will come from, or that's also where it won't come from. Like if, if, you know, they can't answer that question, then that's a problem, but most times they will. And all of a sudden you guys have a relationship and, you know, you can be that much more real quote unquote, um, with that person from now on. Yeah. It's, uh, as soon as I figured out that I wasn't going to get fired because I said, why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. All hell broke loose. <laughs> Did you do the office space line? Like, what would you say? What would you say you do here? <laughs> so speaking speaking of moving up, right? What are what are some things that you've learned to do in order for kind of to progress your own career 
within uh, right now we're really talking about full-time jobs right so so right moving yourself up the ladder well i think it's definitely goes back to the rapport of the of the team below you um because in order to to move up people have to um somebody has to be able to do your job so you know that that work is just not going to magically get done so you just have to to think like who on my team is going to be able to do what I'm doing now currently. And you need to take time in those early months and figure that out. Who is going to be your replacement? Your, your number two. Um, <laughs> and once, once that decision is made and hopefully it doesn't take too long, you start building that person up, training them, taking them aside and giving them what they need, because I guarantee you they want to be promoted too, and they want to move up too. So, um, and that's a great sort of leadership quality is training your number two, um, because it's, it is sort of like the trickle down effect because eventually they'll be in your shoes and they'll do the same thing. Right. But yeah, basically in order to move up, you need, you need to train your replacement. Um, and it's, it just instills a lot of good practices, like building really good rapport as we've been saying. Yeah. If you're able to choose your job, one of the biggest things for me is that I, I want to find a place where, I'm not the. I'm not going to struggle because if you're in over your head, it's it's not good, right? You can't be in over your head. But also, I really love finding a place where I'm. I'm really never the smartest person in the room. Generally speaking, for Talk me, about that. It's not that hard. Uh, <laughs> How about this current room? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't say it could always happen. <laughs> you're like, Sometimes I am. <laughs> I could have gone two ways with that, but there's no way that I was going to be nice about it. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, I never, I, I never think that I'm the smartest person in the room. And I'll tell you what, I've learned time and time again that if there is somebody who thinks that they're the smartest person in the room, they're never the smartest person in the room uh, because the smartest people always think that they can learn more. So, you know, surrounding yourself with people who can teach you something. Yeah. Uh, and people who are willing to teach you something. I think that that's what's made my most rewarding full-time career experiences mm-hmm. as such has been that I've been surrounded with people who are more than willing to put down what they're doing to help me improve. Yeah. When I'm in, you know, years ago, I'm in a conference meeting, you know, with, with members from different teams. And, like, I instantly gravitate towards the person who is a little bit quieter and thinks about what they say before they say it rather than the people who just interrupt and they're the loudest person in the room just to be the loudest because they're, you know, emotionally tied to what's going on. Like to me, I just never understood that. And so I was just like, okay, I'm not going to talk to this person anymore, but this person over here, um, that's the person I want to get to know and get rapport and understand how they think because, that's the person I want to be. Yeah. Uh, it's never failed me. And it's an interesting transition into consulting life because I still never think that I'm the smartest person on a meeting. Um, but I tend to be the person who knows the most about what we're talking about. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I have a one-on-one with clients. I had a one-on-one with a client uh, this morning, actually. And he was asking me about my other clients. He said, oh, you know, what are you working on? Uh, he, what are your goals for the year? Uh, just, you know, being early in the year now. And uh, I said, oh, I'm trying to do this. And he said, oh, you know, I'd, I've I, I've kind of been there before. And this is what I did there. And you should consider doing this. And 
I learned a bunch this morning that I hadn't learned before. And that's cool. So even though he doesn't know uh, a, a, a flurry of things and uh, regarding automation and turns to me for those things, I'm so happy that I have them because it's it's been a a, a, su- a super two way street of knowledge and it's been a beautiful thing. So um, yeah, and and it builds rapport. I mean, we have a great relationship. I have a great relationship with my clients. What about? Um you said something the other day that really resonated with me, and I was actually sharing it with Kelly this morning at, at breakfast. Um, my wife and I go to breakfast every Friday like a 90-year-old couple. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do when you're 90? Well, we'll be pros. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be hot out of the oven as you sit down. We're, we're still figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was a <laughs> quick side story. When the waitress actually called me a regular, I f- never felt so included. Your heart, your heart fluttered a little bit, right? It did. It was like it was the most like mundane but exciting thing that ever happened to me. There's a little there's a little coffee shop called Chill Out in Santa Cruz where I used to live in California and I we obviously moved. We live in Boston now. Uh and we go back like every 6 months. We just love it there. Yeah. Um, and might as, well, might as well buy a house at this point eventually, but, um, we go back about every six, six to eight months. And so I went back to this coffee shop, uh, and I walked in and the same woman was there who had been there for a year. I went there like every, every, every other morning or something. And, uh, she said, Oh, I haven't seen you for a while. Where have you been? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you remember me? <laughs> That's amazing. So I, I totally, I know exactly how you felt this morning. That's a wonderful thing. I wonder if that speaks to our consultant not, not getting to talk to too many people <laughs> life anymore. Anyhow, <laughs> sorry. Back. So to what, what, what did I say that resonated with you? You were, you were talking about um, when you approach clients or you're on calls, and this could be related to any conference meeting you're having at work, but um, just in order to you speak confidently about what you can and cannot do. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, like just t- take me through that again. There's such a scary thing. I think when you're, when you're just starting out, coming out of college or, or, or wherever, and you're trying to get into a role and you find yourself in this position where they're saying, well, what would you say you're really good at? And what would you say you struggle with? It's a terrible question, but it's an important one. I always thought of the struggles as being bad things because I didn't know them. That was bad. Totally. That is it's, not it's true. A trap. It's it, a trap. It is a trap. It is complete crap. Things that you don't know are op- either opportunities to learn them mm. or they're things that you don't know right. and you're not going to learn. And neither of those are the wrong answer in that scenario. Um, and, you know, last episode we were talking a little bit about contracts just briefly, and how I have this um, inclusion contract where I, I will only do specific or exclusion things. I actually, I suppose, and, and I specify what I won't do, and that's because over the years I found out that I'm just not very good at those things. So why would I want to charge somebody money mm. to not do a great job? Right. Um, and so when I get on the phone with a client or, or a prospective client, uh, but even with clients, I mean, I do it all the time. I, I did it recently too. They'll come with me to a question and they'll say, what should I do? And I'll say, you know, I am not the best person to answer this question. I'd love to bill you four hours to, to do this. Don't get me wrong. But I, I know somebody who you should talk to about this because they're going to give you the right answer the first time. Yeah. Um, and when you're talking to a prospective client, and even if you're t- talking about an interview, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because when I'm talking to a prospective client, that's an interview. Um, being confident in what you know 
is intensified mm. uh, to to the to the interviewer when you're also confident in what you don't know and you're okay with it. See, that's something I always struggled with when I was full time. Yeah. You never want to be like, oh, I don't know, because your boss is like, well, why the hell do we hire this person? Like right. he, he doesn't know. But if you could confidently say that, that that's not my area of expertise and then just turn right around and keep on working like that, you know, that would be such a power move. Yeah. Uh, but I could just never do it because I'm such a people pleaser that mm-hmm. I never I never brought myself to do it. And that caused so much like stress in me. And it it went back to to, to really harp on this rapport thing again. When I had great rapport, that wasn't a stressful thing. But when I didn't, and I was still earning trust of managers and stuff, and I say I don't know how to do something, that that just causes tons of unrest in my right. in my life. Um, so, well, I literally did it this morning. <laughs> that's great. Somebody came to me today or yesterday. I got an email last night, and they said uh, we're having this problem in Salesforce. I, I primarily work in. Um, Obviously, marketing automation platforms is, is where my focus is. Salesforce is inevitably a portion of that. Mm-hmm. They said, we're having a problem sending emails through Salesforce using Pardot. So you, there's a little module inside of Salesforce that looks like Pardot. It's more or less an iframe, I think. Right. Uh, it's how they do it. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so... Um, and, and I said, this is Salesforce. This isn't Pardot. I'm very happy to jump on a call to work with your Salesforce guy to figure out why this is happening. If he has reason to believe that it's something that in part out that's causing the issue, some connector problem or, or whatever. So that's actually a good um, sort of takeaway um, or hack, if you will, is that when you don't know the answer, you can turn yourself into project manager person and be like, you know, yeah. I'm going to project manage this solution yeah. because I don't, I don't want to just leave you out high and dry, you know, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to work with the person. We're going to get the answer and I'm going to get it back to you. So. Yeah. And yeah, it's, that's totally right. And, and a great way to put it. And the answer was always, you know, I don't know the, I don't want to give you the wrong answer for this. So I'd rather take this away with me and get it, get you the right one. Right. I've never met anybody who's been like, no, I'd rather just have the wrong one now, if that's okay. <laughs> like nobody's ever said that to me. Everybody has no been said far it to me, but I, I've almost gotten that look a few times. Like a previous <laughs> boss would be like, you know, just just tell me what I want to hear, right? You know, and in 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 both of our heads, we know it's the wrong answer, but they're like, just tell me what I want to hear, right? Uh, yeah, well, it's never fun talking to a client or or a boss about things that they don't want to hear, right? Um, you know, the reality that things aren't going well. Is, ne- is never an easy conversation. But um, one thing that does help with that is being prepared. Like um, if something if something is trending down or, or an email flopped or something, that's part of the learning process. And so at the end of the day, if something like that happens for me, my conversation with my stakeholder, whether that's a CEO or it's a manager or a director or something, is this bombed, this did poorly this didn't perform to our expectation whatever however the severity of it is and this is what we've learned from that so that we can try to prevent it in the future this is what this was our takeaway from that well you've always told me that the oops email always outperforms the initial email oh man like if you if you if you have a big plan you're going to send an email out on such and such day and like something goes wrong and it goes out automatically the day before with with wrong copy in it you get the opportunity to send an oops email yeah, yeah, and and uh, I was I was talking to you the other day about building an email strategy 
designed around sending the wrong email. <laughs> How great is that? I think it would do well because people love to see people, uh, you know, people love to see train wrecks. You know, it's it's the whole rubbernecking thing. People want to see something that's going terribly wrong. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be terribly wrong. Right. Yeah. But I mean. people also like to see uh, humanity. Yeah. And uh, there is a human, believe it or not, sending you the 400 emails in your inbox in one way or another. Mm. Um, and so when something gets screwed up, especially by a company who should know what they're doing, there's still some 20-something working and building that email and people make mistakes. And I think it's hugely refreshing mm-hmm. when a company makes a mistake and they follow up and they're like, yeah, we really screwed that one up. That was our bad. But this is what it was supposed to say. Right. And I've never thought ill of a company for doing that. So I thought it would be a very interesting idea to try to use that as an advantage because that means that you get to hit the person twice with the same email, right. with the same information. And and you're emotionally connected with them because they're seeing that humanity. And it, 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 it takes the humanity out of it because it appears very genuine, even though it was genuinely intentional. Um, but either way, either way, it's still, it's fascinating. I mean, I can't, maybe when we're on episode a hundred, you'll have met a client where you, um, they, they allow you to do the oops email campaign. (laughs) Oh, I I don't think it, I think that I could propose it. I I really think I could sell it because honestly, what's the biggest problem with an oops email, the biggest, or, or the biggest problem with screwing up an email having screwed up the email. Mm. That's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is turning around and taking the hit Mm -hmm. for making the mistake. So if you remove that portion of an email with a mistake in it, the portion of the guilt factor, because it's intentional, what's the downside of making an email that's messed up? I mean, it could be messed up in all sorts, any sort of way. It doesn't have to be like a major problem. So anyway, one of these days I'm going to do it and it's going to kill. I'm going to write a white paper on it and I'm going to become rich and famous for screwing up emails. <laughs> <laughs> I tripped my way to the top by writing x <laughs> But we're getting a little off topic from surviving in the workplace. So one of the things that you brought up to me while we were talking about this episode was when they're either unhappy in a job mm. or they're trying to find what's next. And, and it's, it comes down to that really simple saying that kind of the grass is always greener. Well, yeah. the grass is very rarely greener. It's always brown. But but yeah, it's it's it always looks like California. <laughs> I mean, so why is that? I mean, what's the deal? Well, I mean, I think it just goes back to everything is like we've been saying is that when the rapport is not there, the trust isn't there when the un- and then the undermining starts. And then you're, you're like, man, this is not what I signed up for. You know, like I just wish one of these companies had it together. And I'm I'm not putting the blame on the company like very well could be my fault. For whatever reason, at that point, you start creeping, you start reading those recruiter emails and it makes you feel good. You know, they're like, hey, you look like a perfect fit for this job. You know who else looks like perfect for that job? The other 4,000 people they <laughs> sent that email to. Just telling you from marketing on what I'm saying, <laughs> when you have a bad day, those are pretty, you know, those are like welcoming arms right. you're running yeah. into. Um, and a couple bad days in a row, you you start going back and reading those and and sometimes you act on them sometimes you don't but i totally fell into the grass is always greener like like something some one of these companies will have it right one of them will have it right but really the problem was me like i wasn't right to be full-time work at that time because again i wasn't sort of like self-aware enough to know 
what I, what I needed. Are there, do you have any, any tricks that if you're going in for a job interview and you're meeting people, what are you looking for? I mean, I would just, it, this is going to sound so dumb and easy, but like, just listen, like ask people the questions you want to know the answers to listen and don't feel like you need to like reply right away or what, just like think about those answers because those, if you're, if you position it in such a way, be like, look, give me the honest answer here. What is the deal with such and such in this company? What is life really like? They're going to tell you the truth, or at least, you know, if they're not telling you the truth, you'll probably figure it out in other answers anyway, but they're going to, they're going to be honest with you. And like, I fell into the trap of, I can, I can fix anything. Uh, be like, yeah, okay. Life isn't perfect here. I had a company like literally tell me that life isn't perfect here. And I'm like, I, I can, I can do this here. I'm, 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 I'm the perfect, op- I'm the perfect personality to, to turn this place around. But in hindsight, I was like, man, I, the answer was right there. And I, I didn't listen. I sort of just like my own sort of hubris got in the way. And I was, I was, you know, I, I should have just really taken that, um, to heart when, when I, when I didn't. For me, I found it a very strange place because my, my first real like big boy full-time job was working with you, uh, at a software company, uh, in North, North Boston. And, uh, it was such a treat for so many reasons. Uh, we worked hard, but one of the, one of the guys from the team was in my wedding. We've known each other since then. It's seven, almost seven years now, or seven years this year, I think we still meet up and and have like team meetings and dinners um have each other over each other's houses so uh, that was such a strange place to start to actually really have it pretty good and certainly not not everything was perfect um for all sorts of reasons but th- things were beautiful at the same time for for me personally yeah. well i think that that speaks to um the other thing i wanted to say is that you cho- choose your team you know yeah. don't Choose the job. I know there's this stupid meme going around LinkedIn that says, choose your boss, not your job. But that is kind of true. And I've, I've, I've liked it on LinkedIn. I'm guilty of it because you really got to choose the people you're going to work with. Like, is this personality going to match up with mine? And so you got to know your own personality. What, what, what jives with you? What doesn't? Because you can, in marketing at least, you know, you can more or less, speaking broadly, do this at a number of different companies. So, Take the perfect one. Take the one with the, the boss that will trust you. Take the one with the team that's going to have the you know camaraderie that you're talking about um, in a way that doesn't feel forced. Because I hate it when companies try to force the camaraderie on you. And it's it's just like awkward. Well, yeah. So let me tell you a flip story to Smart Bear. Uh, I, I worked work at a company in Boston. Uh, definitely not a startup anymore, but they were missing that startup feel. It felt very cuby and, and stuffy. And so they were trying to fix that. I took it because I'm glad that I took it. It was, it was a great experience and it led me to here, but I almost didn't take it because I only interviewed with the manager who I wasn't really sure was the right fit for me. And they didn't interview me with anybody else in the company. It was just the manager. Yeah, And so it was two interviews with the manager and I met one other person because they were trying to figure out apparently, should I go onto this team or the other team? Mm-hmm. So it was the other manager that I met with. And that was it. I never met a single employee, not until I started. I know. In hindsight, there's red flags all over that. That was a huge, I mean, I don't, again, I don't regret it, but I never really, I made like one close friend there, you know, 
and compare that to where I met everybody, everybody, almost everybody on the damn marketing team over my interviews with SmartBear, you included. And here we are seven years later doing this um, and all the stuff that we've done in between. So um, I don't think that it's necessarily a reason to turn down a job, but if I had had a job at the time, and I actually cognitively made this decision, had I already been employed at the time when I was looking at that job, I would not have taken the job until I met the rest of the team. Right. And I, I would have told them, you know, even if they made me the offer, say, really excited about the offer, I'd like to meet the rest of the team first and make sure that this is the right fit. Right. And they should agree. Why would you not want your team to approve of a new employee coming I mean, in? That's what culture is, is people... People's friendships builds the culture. You can't build a culture without the friendships. That's what a lot of companies think they can just throw a bunch of beanbag chairs in there. Look, everyone, we've started a new culture. Please sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And flip that around again. And then when I was there, right, we'd hire people and I'd show up in the morning going to the morning meeting and there's just some random person sitting in the morning meeting. They were like, hey, what's going on? Like, hey, I'm new here. I'm like, fascinating. <laughs> I had no idea you're joining our team. That's great. Oh, that. Oh, sorry. That's what would happen? Or that's oh, yeah. You? No, wow. literally, that's what would happen. We wouldn't even know they were interviewing for somebody. Interesting. So weird. Yeah. Um, so lots of little red flags there. But it. I mean, it all worked out in the end. You know, whatever. But um, but I think that I think that that's a big one. Uh, definitely choose your boss and choose your team. Hmm. And let your team choose you too. Exactly. Yeah. Allow them the chance to like, that's a great thing. I've never, the interview process is so long nowadays that like, you know, you have to go in two or three times and meet for four hours at a clip that it, you, you never want to be like, Hey, I didn't meet so-and-so. You just want to be like, is it done? Do I have the job? Are you going to pay me? Um, but really like going back and saying, you know what? I, I know I've been in, this is not my first rodeo. I need to talk to the such and such director because I know my job is going to interact with them. That, yeah. that like, that's a, that's a next level move. Yeah. One might call it a hack. It might be a hack. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a couple of really solid takeaways from this conversation, but that really is one of them. Another huge takeaway that I had from working full time is that I never wanted to leave a job when I was really ready to leave. I never wanted to wait to the point where I was just done, Mm. that I didn't even want to go to work anymore. Um, And I actually really haven't been there, to be fair. But um, before I started looking for a new job, I've always wanted it to be like, you can kind of feel that that you've gotten over that kind of climax of excitement with with kind of the new job and, and everything's going great. And I mean, everything should go great for a while. Don't get me wrong. The company should keep you happy. You should keep the company happy. But there is some point when you slowly start to realize that the politics aren't worth it or um, or you could be making a lot. You make a lot more money the faster you as you change jobs and you ask for a 10, 15, 20 percent increase. You make a lot more money a lot faster if you skip jobs. Not a reason to do it, but right. it's a reason for some people. But with that said, if you do it in a way where you're still happy, so you can say no. It's okay to say no to a job offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also doesn't mean that you're going to burn that relationship. And if the company says no, not a reason to burn a relationship. Sure. Um, you just might not be a fit for that particular role. But yeah. but going through the process, they'll keep you in the Rolodex. And it, it, the fact that you've already come in and, and done the interview, that, that makes you a, a better uh, prospect than the next guy yeah yeah it's um 
it, it, that's a that's been a huge takeaway for me. Not like I was like sending scathing emails to companies that didn't want to hire yeah. me. But I'll tell you, when you become, if you ever become a consultant, I get no a lot more than I get yes. And at the end of the day, you have to get no more than you get yes. Otherwise, you I guess you just stop prospecting or something, right? Because um, you have a limit. But I still carry out conversations with people and that that didn't hire me. And sometimes it's totally mutual. I've turned down jobs before because I've said, you know, I just don't, I don't think that I'm the right person for you for these reasons. This is why I don't think that I'm a really great fit, but, but we, me and whoever I'm talking to happen to get along really well sometimes, sometimes. Right. And so it can be a little bit painful, but at the end of the day, um, that shows a lot of courage and it shows a lot of awareness. Yeah. No, you're, you're knowing thyself. So you're able to look into the future almost and say, this one's going to be problems or, um, or this one's the opposite of that. This one's going to be great. And those are the ones you take. Um, but that only comes by going through the motions a couple of times and, and falling flat on your face or having great successes. So, yeah. And it's a, speaking of looking into the future, what do we got on tap? What do we got on tap? <laughs> next week, uh, next week we're talking about work-life balance, but I think that we're kind of diving into a little bit more about what we do mm. uh, now, not full-time work as as sort of solo entrepreneur consultants. Right. Starting well, it makes companies. sense to talk in depth about the thing we're doing now. I don't know. I don't see the scalability of that. But I guess that we'll find out next week. This and more on next week. This is good. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take it easy, Adam. See ya.